Hello, David. There's recently been a pickup in market volatility. What are investors reacting to? Hi, Alex. Well, over the last month, developed market equity and credit markets have been mostly range bound. We've seen a bit of tightening in credit spreads on emerging markets, which made up for some of the earlier underperformance. But you're right that over the last week, there has been a pickup in volatility as investors have had to digest some additional news. On, on the negative side of the ledger, we've had a ratcheting up of the confrontational rhetoric between the US and China. And I think that's only going to become louder as the US presidential election gets closer. I don't think we can wholly discount the risk of a renewed tariff and trade war between the US and, and, and China, despite the, the trade deal that was signed at the end of last year. More positively, Fed Chair Powell's comments that the Fed has not run out of monetary ammunition, and he continues to push back very heavily on negative interest rates, were actually very supportive, especially for US banks that he said were financially much stronger than prior to the global financial crisis. That said, Powell did also warn that even with a rebound in growth in the second half of the year, virus-related uncertainty could push the full recovery out till the end of 2021. And then in the last few days, we had Angela Merkel and French President Macron propose a 500 billion European rescue fund that would help those countries most severely affected by the virus, but the fund would be repaid according to ability via the EU budget. And, and I think markets continue to demonstrate a quite a high sensitivity to news on coronavirus vaccine development. There was reports of a successful, but it was a very, very small trial of a drug to create antibodies against COVID-19 by the US company Moderna. And, and that certainly did boost markets. But then we've subsequently had some doubts cast upon that trial because of its very small size. So a lot for investors to digest. I think the market reaction to the news, especially on the possibility of a vaccine, was quite telling, in my opinion. Growth sensitive risk assets, equity and credit rallied. That was led by energy banks, some of the sectors such as transport and entertainment that have been most adversely affected by the virus. And we also saw Treasury yields move a little bit higher, yield curve steepen. So I, I, I think that sort of highlights the kind of profile if there was to be uh, you know, positive developments in terms of the containment and treatment of the virus. All that said, I, I do think markets are still too heavily discounting the risks and uncertainties around the trajectory of the virus and for the economy. But I do also think that investor positioning in risk assets, especially in emerging markets, is relatively cautious. So I think this helps explain why bad news at the moment is largely being shrugged off, but markets are tending to move higher on more positive news. You mentioned the Franco-German proposal for the European Recovery Fund. Can you tell us a little more about its significance? Well, there was a meaningful tightening in Eurozone sovereign credit spreads following the Merkel-Macron press conference announcing their proposal for the European Recovery Fund. Their proposal is that the European Commission borrows 500 billion euros from the market 
and that the fund would then be used to make grants to countries based on need, so those hardest hit by the coronavirus. But the repayments would be financed from the EU budget, which is, broadly speaking, based on the ability to pay. The EU currently has a AAA credit rating, and that's based on the legal priority assigned to debt service within the EU budget, and that the Commission can ask for member states to increase their budget contributions if there is a shortfall. The EU currently has about 50 billion euros of outstanding bonds, and these are eligible for ECB asset purchases. In in my view, the Franco-German proposal is a very significant development. It would mark the first instance of a large-scale pan-European fiscal sharing and at least partial debt mutualisation. I think Chancellor Merkel has effectively agreed to fiscal transfers within Europe. So I do think that if this proposal is adopted, it would be the first substantive step towards a fiscal union. Generally speaking, I mean, when France and Germany agree something, that tends to get approved by the European Union. But I don't think this is necessarily a done deal. Negotiations between the member states could result in something which is less powerful. I think some member states are going to push back on the idea of loans rather than grants to countries and sectors that are most in need. So I do think it's something that investors should watch very carefully. If it is approved, then I think it will be a meaningful uh, step that will uh, support European assets more generally. But the stakes are high and I don't think one can completely discount disappointment. Staying in Europe, Brexit appears to be moving back onto investors' radar. What's our current assessment and the outlook for UK assets? Yeah, so I I, I do think that, you know, some of the uh, sort of positive news that I mentioned around European assets associated with the uh, Franco-German proposal on the European Recovery Fund is somewhat tempered by, as you say, Alex, the return of Brexit as a worry. And that's come against the backdrop where negotiations between the EU and UK seem to have reached a deadlock. Although the UK, as you know, has left the European Union, it remains part of the common customs area and a single European market until the end of this year. The UK government continues to publicly state that it will not ask for an extension to allow more time for negotiations on a trade deal. And I think that at least some in Westminster appear to believe that the economic hit from the virus is going to be so great that any damage from a WTO-only deal with the EU will pretty much go unnoticed. I still do think that the UK and EU will reach a deal by the end of the year, even without an extension. But clearly the likelihood of a no deal or a very limited bare bones agreement is increasing. And I think markets are certainly beginning to start to price that there won't be an extension by the deadline of 30th of June. Sterling has been weakening FX options pricing suggests that the skew is for further sterling downside. I do think that as the risk of a WT-only deal rises, sterling assets more broadly will begin to underperform. Just one other point to make, I think, on the UK. 
even as Fed Chair Powell continues to rule out negative rates in the US, the Bank of England, slightly to my surprise at least, appears to be more ambivalent. Bank of England Chief Economist Andy Haldane said that the Monetary Policy Committee is reviewing several options, including negative rates, and futures markets are beginning to price it at least as a possibility. I I still think it's very unlikely that the Bank of England will cut the base rate into negative territory. I think that would be very bad news for the UK financial sector, and I'm not convinced that it would be supportive for the broader uh, economy. And so I don't think the Bank of England is going to go into negative rates, but I do think it's going to announce more quantitative easing. But this whole debate around negative rates in the US as well as the UK, I think does underline the extent that investors are anticipating that central bank liquidity, monetary support will continue even once the global economy passes the low point of the forest-induced economic downturn. So we still have this, I think, tug of war in, in, in markets between the economic outlook and the damage that's being caused by the virus and, and, and lockdowns against the sort of central bank support and liquidity that we're seeing. Thanks for your time, David, and look forward to speaking to you again in a couple of weeks. Thanks, Alex. This podcast is issued in the United Kingdom by Blue Bay Asset Management, LLP which is authorised and regulated by the UK Financial Conduct Authority, registered with the US Securities and Exchange Commission and the US Commodity Futures Trading Commission, and is a member of the National Futures Association. This podcast may also be issued in the United States by Blue Bay Asset Management LLC, which is registered with the SEC and the NFA. Past performance is not indicative of future results. Unless otherwise stated, all data has been sourced by Blue Bay. To the best of Blue Bay's knowledge and belief, this podcast is true and accurate at the date hereof. Blue Bay makes no express or implied warranties or representations with respect to the information contained in this podcast and hereby expressly disclaim all warranties of accuracy, completeness or fitness for a particular purpose. This podcast is intended for professional clients and eligible counterparties as defined by the FCA only and should not be relied upon by any other category of customer. Except where agreed explicitly in writing, Blue Bay does not provide investment or other advice and nothing in this podcast constitutes any advice nor should be interpreted as such. No Blue Bay fund will be offered except pursuant and subject to the offering memorandum and subscription materials the offering materials. If there is an inconsistency between this podcast and the offering materials for the Blue Bay Fund, the provisions in the offering materials shall prevail. You should read the offering materials carefully before investing in any Blue Bay Fund. This podcast does not constitute an offer to sell or the solicitation of an offer to purchase any security or investment product in any jurisdiction and is for information purposes only. No part of this podcast may be reproduced in any manner without the prior written permission of Blue Bay Asset Management, LLP. Copyright 2020, Blue Bay. The investment manager, advisor and global distributor of the Blue Bay Funds is a wholly owned subsidiary of Royal Bank of Canada and the Blue Bay Funds may be considered to be related and or connected issuers to Royal Bank of Canada and its other affiliates. Registered trademark of Royal Bank of Canada.
RBC Global Asset Management is a trademark of Royal Bank of Canada. Blue Bay Asset Management LLP, registered office, 77 Grosvenor Street, London, W1K3JR, partnership registered in England and Wales, number OC370085. The term partner refers to a member of the LLP or a Blue Bay employee with equivalent standing. Details of membership of the Blue Bay Group and further important terms which this message is subject to can be obtained at www.bluebay.com. All rights reserved.